You are listening to the first edition of Sports Have Themes 2, an articulate athletics podcast. Hello and welcome into Sports Have Themes 2, an articulate athletics podcast. I'm Grant Goodrich. On this first ever episode, I'll be diving into the dynamics of the NCAA Men's Basketball Tournament, or March Madness as it is otherwise known. But before we get into that, I should explain what this podcast series is about, what I hope for you to get out of it, and what to expect. I want to be able to take a sports topic, claim, or popular debate and figure out the facts behind it. I want to be able to put forth a concluding thesis that is sound in logic and reason, a conclusion that people will be convinced of through the analysis I put forth. So what goes into making a grand sweeping conclusion about something? Research, analytical thinking, and perspective. I will not be alone for the majority of each episode. I will have a guest or two that will provide color to the topic being dissected. Through our discussion, it will not only reveal things to the viewer, but it will also reveal things to me that will go toward my conclusion. Without the guest, my ultimate postulation would be void. I would be missing something integral. The conversation, as I have learned, will reveal the main themes needed for a cohesive conclusion. Without those themes, it would just be data points being thrown at you, which is not distinctive. A thematic-focused conclusion will hopefully help my data and experience-based argument discernible to anyone listening. So with that in mind, I want to use the timing of my first podcast release to discuss March Madness. I'll be bringing in Andrew Rogers shortly. Andrew Rogers brings first and foremost an enthusiasm for the topic, but also a knowledge base that helps not only you, but me in figuring out the answer to the inciting question, why is March Madness the most unique sports tournament we have in the United States? Before I welcome in Andrew, I just want to quickly overview a list of unique aspects of March Madness. Here are your data points, if you will. Get those out of the way up top. So first of all, when you look at any sporting event and compare it to another, you look at the popularity. Is it popular? Well, I think we all know March Madness is popular, but just how popular? Andrew and I will get into some more specifics, but just to preface it, March Madness is the second biggest money-making sport event in the U.S. behind the NFL playoffs. So that fact immediately allows March Madness to be in the conversation for most unique or best sports tournament. A second point is the structure of the tournament. Again, Andrew and I will discuss this in more detail, but basically no other tournament is even close to what March Madness provides fans. It is a distinctively structured tournament. Yeah, there are seeds, play-in games, rounds, and a bracket. Brackets are actually another unique feature of March Madness, but anyway, nothing compares structurally. Lastly, the most distinguishing trait of March Madness, the stories. Those stories usually come from the upsets, which in of itself are unique to the NCAA tournament. Every sport has great stories, but the stories that come from this tournament are indelible to a point where it is equitable and even superseding sometimes to the winner of the whole dance. I truly don't know what other sport has that. Like I said, every sport does produce great stories, but not to the scale and legend of March Madness. All right, I've rambled on. Let's get to Andrew. Happy to be joined now by Andrew Rogers. Thanks, Andrew, for coming in to talk about a little bit of March Madness here as we ramp up for the tournament here starting really soon. It'll be starting here on Friday and running Saturday, Sunday, Monday, which is a little bit different. Yeah, it's different from uh, 
normal years you do a Thursday, Friday, and then the Saturday, Sunday, but they're going to have it uh, kind of play off on Monday and uh, should be interesting. Another fun year. Every year is always fun. So thanks for having me. I know how much you love March Madness, how much you're interested in it, the expertise that you have, the information that you bring from uh, your memories of the sport. And we both have those growing up watching March Madness. And now we've been able to cover college basketball a little bit with Marshall recently having um, an upset of their own in the NCAA tournament in 2018. When you look at the upsets that March Madness produces, that's really something that sets it apart from the other tournaments really in any sport. Absolutely. It's because really, too, of, of the you never know factor. Just because you can go into a tournament and win six in a row and it could somehow still get upset, whether that's a three seed losing to a 14 or whatever it may be. The most common one usually is 12 beating a five or an 11 beating a six. But that's what makes it so exciting is because you may not know a whole lot about some of these schools and their key players and what they're good at, but you just don't know going in, but you still become invested in it because you see that higher seed putting on a show, making a lot of jump shots, just playing really good basketball, and that kind of brings excitement to you. So that's just that kind of factor that um, is so intriguing each year because it's a different team usually every year. It's, you know, it's not the same team year in and year out that's pulling off a 12 or over a 5 upset or an 11 over a 6 upset. It's a different school, maybe from a similar conference, but it's always a different school being able to p- p- pull that upset off. The game on the court is one thing that produces uh, a unique set of circumstances, but there's also so many other things that go into it when it comes to the enormity of the event. There's so many viewers that turn in, 100 million from 180 countries. There's about 770 million viewers across all 67 games that are played, which is the most of any sport. Now, obviously, something like the NFL playoffs has a better average per game, but there's nothing that can match what March Madness provides their advertisers whenever it comes to the amount of times their ad can be seen. The sheer volume of viewership that it gets, that results in a lot of money being thrown around in their direction. So $771 million deal with CBS and Turner Broadcasting for the media rights to the NCAA tournament every year. Upon that, there is ad revenue. Those advertisers that come in they pay over $1 billion in ad revenue a year combined, and that's only growing year in and year out. That's second only to the NFL. It's ahead of the NBA. It's ahead of MLB, college football. It's actually more than the MLB and college football combined. There's also more parent company ad space bought in March Madness than even in the Super Bowl. So there's so many things about the NCAA tournament off of the court and the financial aspects, the viewership aspects that really put it up there automatically with the biggest sports tournaments in the United States. That's a lot of media rights money. I didn't really know. I wasn't really surprised by that number of viewers that you said, I think 770 million viewers across all those 67 games. That's not really a surprise to me just because everybody, whether you don't like basketball, whether you don't enjoy sports as most people would still usually fill out a bracket at work or wherever it may be. So that doesn't really surprise me as much, but it's all that revenue money in the media that really is gained from this tournament. And as you said, CBS and Turner Sports getting a lot of that. The reason why I have you in here today is to talk about some of these unique moments that March Madness and really only March Madness can produce. And it's there's so many different teams that come in year in and year out, as you were mentioning that are not necessarily well-known teams. And they kind of combine with those well-known teams to produce crazy games and upsets that live on. And something that is a unique aspect of the NCAA tournament is the fact that there is an automatic bid for every 
Division I conference, and that's unlike any NCAA sport and obviously unlike any professional sport where the 68 teams that compete in the tournament is already a bigger number than the total amount of teams that even exist in all of the professional sports leagues. So that in of itself is something that already sets March Madness apart from every other sport league. Yeah, you're getting the best team from each conference. Well, maybe not necessarily the best team, but the team that plays the best when it matters the most, and you put them all together with the rest of the at-large bids that are in the tournament as well, and you've you've pretty much got the best 68 teams. Now there's always the maybe four or five teams that are outside looking in and end up in the NIT or whatever, but you're getting the best of the best in those 68 teams for the most part. Yeah, and there's been some historic runs, some historic upsets. Everyone kind of loves the underdog story, the Cinderella story. Also, the fun of bracket making that people often get into maybe too deep or uh, usually bet on around with their friends. And sometimes it can be very frustrating trying to figure out who those upsets are going to be. You just never know. You never know, and I think that's the best part about it, but... Um, Over the past, I want to say 17 years, since 2002, it's like 94% of the time there's been a double-digit seed get to the Sweet 16. Now, I think most of that, I think over 70% or so, has been a 10 through 12 seed. But there's the rare time where you've had a 13 or a 14 or even a 15 get to that Sweet 16. So that's just something interesting that I was reading about that you can just see this team, you're guaranteed to get a double-digit seed into the second weekend. Now we'll kind of look at some of those upsets. Well, first of all, the way the bracket is structured, obviously, is there are four separate brackets within the major one. And so that results in not 1 to 64 in seeding, but 1 to 16 four times. So that means that 16 over one seed, uh, there's four of those matchups, and then you go down the line 15-2, 14-3, 13-4, 12-5, and so on down the line. In 2018, we finally saw an upset of a 16 over one. It's still the only one. Only had one tournament since then, since the 2020 tournament was canceled. That was UMBC over Virginia, and that was definitely a monumentous day for the NCAA tournament. Oh, yeah. And it wasn't like UMBC won on a game winner or game-changing call late in the game that flipped the script on Virginia. It was a 20-point game. I don't know what the final score was, but it was a blowout for the 16th seed. So that was a shocker, certainly, because nobody obviously predicted that. Lyles will put it up from the wing. How about that? Has it stolen? What has happened to Virginia? Flustered because of this persistent performance. From the corner, three more by Lamar. Incredible performance. Shock and awe in college basketball. UMBC makes history in Charlotte. I don't remember where I was for that game during, I think, the first part. I may have been in a class or something, so I was always try to watch games. I remember in high school trying to watch games in class um, and definitely in college, trying to pay attention to make sure those early uh, afternoon classes, it always kind of starts right there at that 11.50 mark. Yep. And so I remember seeing the score for UMBC and thinking, oh, Virginia's going to come back and kind of tuning out for a while, coming back, seeing the score later, and then I was like, all right, I'm turning it on, and I'm going to watch this out to the finish. And yep. uh, it was just crazy just the way UMBC was able to really kind of dominate that game from start to finish. That's the excitement it brings, and uh, you got to bring it each game for those 40 minutes because you're playing against champions. It's 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 a tournament with all champions, and at, the at-large bids 
are good enough to win their conference tournament. So you're getting the champions, and they're all 68 of them are. Right below 16 over 1 upsets, there's the 15 over 2, which we've definitely seen much more of, and there's been some prominent runs in that one. Well, really, there's only been one prominent run. We've seen some 15 over 2s, but then a lot of the time those teams have lost then and after that. But there was one team in particular that was able to win its next game in advance to the Sweet 16, and I know that's a team that you have a definite proclivity for. Oh, yeah. Welcome, everyone, to Philadelphia, the second round of the NCAA tournament with a 2-15 matchup as the Florida Gulf Coast Eagles take on Georgetown with the winner. I was 13 years old, and I want to say I was in middle school, maybe, I think I was in computer class watching this game. Now, the only reason I had really known much anything about them is because just reading things about all these random mid-major teams that are playing, um, they had a kid from West Virginia. So I was like, oh, that's kind of interesting. But I didn't pick them, obviously. Like, I wasn't just going to pick the 15, like, too young, not thinking, like, you know, not going to go out and be bold like that. I still have high aspirations. I can get a perfect one at this age. So... I'm sitting there, I'm watching it. I mean, they're just dunking the ball all over the place. Now they've got this nickname, Dunk City. After they win that game, I'm like, I, I love this team. Like, this team is so fun to watch. And they win the next game. It's like, dang, they're going to go all the way. Like, they just they dominated San Diego State the next game. And it's like, I don't know if they can be stopped. They end up losing to Florida in the Sweet 16. But I became so interested in them that... I went and visited their university before I made my college decision. Like, they didn't even have my major sports broadcast, and they had journalism. And I was considering just doing journalism just to attend that school for the sole reason of them getting to the Sweet 16 as a 15. So, got a t-shirt, got I got everything. Sports definitely has that effect where it makes you want to go to that school. And I think we, you kind of see that sometimes where a team maybe has success and their attendance numbers tick up a little bit. So that, that's, that's definitely something funny. And they were someone that kind of were on the front end of the small ball uh, trend we're seeing now and you mentioned Dunk City and the, I mean they were just so fun to watch and I remember when they won that game uh, in that first round as a 15 seed over the two seed when they beat Georgetown yeah Georgetown right yep. yeah when they played in that first game you know try to watch every game you never know which one is going to erupt and become that upset and so that was just more so than it just being an upset the way that Florida Gulf Coast played was as you were saying was so much fun to watch but i would say the 15 over 2 kind of we've we've seen it in history back farther in like the 80s and the 90s but really there was a long hiatus where it ha- didn't happen and the one i kind of remember uh, there was actually two in one year and that was 2012 mm-hmm. uh, lehigh beat duke and norfolk state beat missouri and that was really the first time i remembering seeing um, such a high seed being toppled by such a low seed yeah, I specifically remember that. And for Lehigh, it was C.J. McCollum. So that's like him getting kind of recognized by a lot of people. And now he's a good NBA player and he scores a lot of points in the NBA on average. So stars are made and they come from anywhere. And this was a good opportunity. And it probably elevated C.J. McCollum to being an NBA player, winning that game, doing what he did uh, to get Lehigh over Duke in that matchup. But Grant, I feel like we're coming up on another time where a two is going to lose to a 15. It may not be this year, but it hasn't happened since 2016. It happened three times in two years before that, in 2013 and then twice, you said, in 2012. So we're coming up on a time where you got to start looking out because you would think it would happen more because you think twice in 2012, okay, it's going to probably happen at least maybe once every other year but it hasn't happened that way so we'll see what happens if maybe that was just a stretch run of some two seeds that were just 
solid, but yeah. they weren't really that good or what it could be. But Yeah, we're pretty lucky that we got all of those back-to-back years and in that stretch run. Hopefully it's not just something that was in that bubble of time that it, you know continues because at that peak time like 12 13 years old when those were happening and starting to happen and that's kind of what march madness is to me so to not have that and to not see that continue would definitely be disappointing but i think it's it's only a matter of time to see that 15 over that two again uh, you never know when it's going to come as we talked about the umbc you never know when when that upset is going to come there's been some other upsets 14 over threes you had stephen f austin over wvu that was a game that was of pertinent interest to me being a Notre Dame fan because the next round, that was the team Notre Dame played. Uh, Stephen F. Austin then went really, really close to the end there uh, with Notre Dame in the round of 32. It was Rex Fluger who had the buzzer beater for the win, at, like yep, a tip yep. in as a freshman. <laughs> so, And then you've also had Georgia State over Baylor in 2015. That was an entertaining game. That was one on a buzzer beater by the coach's son. Ron Hunter. Ron Hunter, or yeah. Ron Hunter's the coach. Archie yeah. Hunter is the kid. Yeah. yeah. Hunter gives it to Shipes. Back to Hunter for three. Good! 2.6 to play. Georgia State takes a one-point lead. The shot knocked Ron Hunter right off his chair. That was another one of those stories, and that's something else that not only do you have these upsets where um, the underdog team wins, but you have these crazy uh, niche stories that develop out of nowhere with these teams like the the father-son combo there for Georgia State or as uh, we get further, one of the one of the bigger upsets and also one of the more recent ones is Loyola Chicago, who was an 11 seed who made it to the Final Four and, and the story with Sister Jean and all of those different things. There's so many things that come from these upsets, more than just an upset, but these stories that develop within the team or outside the team, just are centered around these teams is really something else that March Madness has that allows itself to separate from other sports tournaments across the United States. Yeah, it's it's unique because of that aspect just because it is because of the upsets but then it's because of when these teams continue to have success beyond just the one year they get put on the map now and people start to recognize them more often and that's a good, that's the case for Loyola Chicago and Georgia State yeah. and those kind of teams so I don't think it has happened as much I can remember back into the early 2010s maybe VCU and Shaka Smart kind of put VCU on the map for the most part and they kind of gain respect now from the committee and whoever and even just scheduling non-conference games because it's like well that's a good program they're going to develop good talent because of what they did in the past so it can do multiple things for you as just besides getting good media coverage and having that success yeah you mentioned vcu that was back in 2011 when they made it all the way to the final four as an 11 seed we've seen three 11 seeds make it to the final four that's the lowest seed that has been able to make it to the final four and it's happened three times loyola chicago in 2018 VCU in 2011 and George Mason back in 2006 and that final four that VCU went to they were playing against Butler who was an eight seed so that final four had an eight seed and 11 seed Butler had gone to the national championship the year before as a five Mm -hmm. seed and lost to Duke that Butler and VCU game was one of the earlier memories for me of how this tournament is able to produce these lower seed teams that you don't necessarily think of when it comes to the landscape of college basketball as a kid you think of duke and kentucky and kansas but seeing the team like butler and vcu rise up and play each other in the final four was something that always stuck with me and probably what gave me such a uh, an interest and love for march madness the ranks of virginia commonwealth have made 
the final four, marking off the number one seed, the Jayhawks of Kansas. I mean, it's just things you could never see coming. Like, I don't even think the teams that have fans don't even see that either. Like, I don't think back in, what was it, 2017, 2018, when Marshall makes that run, I don't think anybody thought, you know, Marshall's going to beat Wichita State. Now, there's a confidence level, obviously, that it's like, okay, yeah, I think we can. I think we definitely can, but if you're going to put money down on it, I don't know how confident you'd be uh, in that case. And I think that could be said, too, for these Loyola Chicago teams, VCU, George Mason, just things that you don't expect, but when you get hot and win one game, you can ride that momentum, and it becomes tough to stop. Even if the teams are better than you, if you play better and you're the hotter team with momentum, you're going to be able to win as many games as that takes you. In 2014, the national championship game was an 8 seed and a 7 seed. Now, obviously, that 8 seed was Kentucky, so Kentucky was kind of playing the Cinderella even though they're one of the blue bloods of the sport. But back in 2014, you had UConn win that national championship over Kentucky. But that was a seven seed and an eight seed, and that's something that doesn't happen often. That's another thing um, kind of along the same lines as the VCU and Butler. But that one was for the national championship where you had two seeds who were so far out of the picture from a seeding perspective were able to fight their way into the tournament. And that's something that really only March Madness is able to produce because you have, for instance, in college football, you have the college football playoff. It's four teams. And really the way college football is as a sport, it's kind of impossible to have those type of upsets. It's really something that only sports similar to basketball in the competition level are able to produce. And that's something that March Madness has the luck of having is just that fact that it's basketball and you can have some of those lower level teams compete and topple some of those higher seeds. But it's also something that is a result of NCAA basketball allowing such a big tournament and having all of these different teams competing in something that really is not able to be replicated anywhere else. You know, I think it's partially too because of the sport. The nature of the sport's a little bit different, so kind of rare to see upsets in football. But then again, structure does play a huge part in that. Uh, and it does allow these crazy things like a seven to play an eight in a national championship game. Like, who, like, you can't, no one could think that at all unless you're a UConn fan you got one kid playing for UConn you got another one playing for Kentucky and that's your bracket and that's probably the only person that um, would have ever uh, had been able to predict that but yeah I mean it just gives all these teams an opportunity at the ultimate goal and in football you only have for a while it was only you know two teams and really you can trim the list to power five programs and then you could trim it even more to four programs maybe from each major conference and then that's probably going to be where your champion is outside of Notre Dame until the ACC they joined this year so that's what is the total difference between college football and basketball is that you you know going in every year there's a group of teams that you're going to say okay here's your rankings they're going to eventually fall in somewhere in that top 20 range now some teams will have a down year but for the most part you've got an idea who's the best team every year so they're already going to be ranked highly and all they got to do is just win their games in front of them college basketball the rankings change every, every week i mean there was at one point where the big 12 had like five teams in the top 10 two weeks later they all beat each other up in conference play and there's only four teams ranked total so yeah. and, and they're all quality teams because seven made the tournament so that's just a crazy factor of it is because so many different teams 
can get that opportunity to win. And it partially has to do with the nature of the sport and how it's played that anybody can kind of win on any given day. Football's a little bit different because there's a lot, I don't know if there's a lot more skill involved, but I think you kind of get where I'm going with that. Just the, it's di- played differently, obviously, and, and the approach in a way, too, can be different. Yeah, and I think something else that uh, comparing not just college sports with another college sport is com- trying to compare a college sport with professional sports and you know a lot of people will be like well it's kind of amateur the competition's not as good that's why i prefer watching professional sports because it's professional but i think that there's something of value to watch quote-unquote amateurs although in in their own right they are professionals but it's there is something to be said for watching these players at the college level have the opportunity to shine on the big stage a stage that is just as big it's really it's bigger than the nba march madness it's it's a bigger stage in the nba playoffs from a money perspective ad revenue as we talked about money rights so not the nba as a total but just the tournament the nba playoffs versus march madness what do you feel like with the comparison between march madness and some of these professional sports we talked a little about college football versus um college basketball what about like college basketball versus the nba playoffs the mlb playoffs the nfl playoffs and just the way the tournament works out and the exciting nature of march madness compared to those i think it's kind of the same argument i'll kind of just i want to stay with on the basketball side first and just meant compare the nba to the college basketball game and the nba it's in the same kind of area as college football but in terms of players you know you know who the top 10 to 20 NBA players are and in today's generation two of them are probably on the same team so you know going in that probably five teams can win it all and again the seeding there is one through eight each conference so 16 teams half the league's got a chance to win it all but more than likely you know You've got probably a handful, maybe another, hand, maybe two handfuls of teams that have a chance. But college basketball, yes, Gonzaga can be undefeated, but what's it only happened one time when an undefeated team's or finished the year undefeated mm-hmm. going into the tournament? It's rarely happened. So I can think back to that Kentucky team. Everybody thought they've got no shot to lose. I don't remember who they lose to. They lost year. to Wisconsin in the yeah, final four. Like, Should have lost Notre Dame in the Elite Eight, but yeah, they played West Virginia too. That yeah, didn't end well. That was not a, that was not a good game for them. I that it was did not uh, end well again. The NBA, like you know, going in, you're gonna have the the handful of teams that can win it all. But when you get to college basketball, this is where stars are made. Stars are made in this college basketball tournament because they're developing to be NBA players. Yeah, like Steph Curry in 2008 with Davidson. Exactly, Davidson. Yep, that's a perfect example. Here's Curry. Oh my Another three. Unbelievable. 17 point comeback behind Stephen Curry. The star of this stage delivers again. Well, now not every year you'll see one guy get the team there. Like you can think back, and there's plenty of teams that have had just good quality players, good coaching, and there's not really a star on the team. There is that go-to guy, but there's so many other pieces around them that make that team good. But stars are born in March and in April because that's when they play the championship. But for the most part, in March, and that's what makes it so. That, that's that's why you have to have an inclusive because then there's all these stars that just don't get seen like John Moran, Murray State going in, everybody hyped him up, but you don't get to see that as much anywhere else because stars are born in the NBA too, like they develop over the years, but you see it on a bigger stage in the college basketball landscape of things. You could see stars made in the NBA, but it's just not the same because they're not out there and recognized 
at the biggest level. Yeah, and I think something else you mentioned earlier at the top of the uh, conversation is how it's a fresh landscape almost every year with new teams kind of coming in and cropping up and definitely obviously with players only being there four years and sometimes five and in rare cases because uh, you do see a lot of one and done at some of the bigger schools like Duke and Kentucky and and, and Kansas, Arizona, all these schools. But you do see teams like Virginia that have players there for four years, Villanova, similar aspect there. But you, it is fairly fresh every year, especially with some of the lower seeds coming in that do usually pull off some of those upsets. So I think that's something else that college basketball is able to provide is a freshness that really no other sport is able to. Absolutely. I totally agree with that. Best time of the year. It is the best time of the year. I'd like to thank Andrew for joining me and giving me a lot of perspective that without, I would not have been able to figure out the themes of why March Madness is so unique and unforgettable. Just by listening to someone other than myself, I was able to uncover things that I otherwise couldn't. So thanks, Andrew, for those wonderful thematic elements that you have given me. Now, if you haven't listened to our conversation more than once like I have, you may not have picked up every thematic connection. So that's why I'm here to wrap this thing up with a conclusion that lays it all on the table. Our first theme is the great unknown. Of course, we do not know for sure what is going to happen in any tournament, but the uncertainness of March Madness is on another level. And it is, in fact, one of the things that makes it so popular. One goes in knowing, expecting that there are going to be surprises, that there are going to be plot twists. That is so much different than watching the NBA playoffs or the NFL playoffs. With March Madness, we are anticipating who are going to be the Cinderella teams this year. Who is making a deep run, unexpected run? Who are the stars that will rise up? What are the wacky, out-of-nowhere stories that will crop up. We crave the unknown with March Madness. And for many people, that is the complete opposite of how they live their day-to-day lives. Most of us do not like the great unknown when it comes to living out our days. But when it comes to March Madness, we want that feeling. It is a similar feeling to going into a movie you've never seen or a TV show. We want to be taken on a ride we have never ridden. That's why the brackets that we fill out every March are such a trend. It is an impossible task to have a perfect bracket. But we all strive for that unattainable goal because it is an unknown quantity. You never know. You never know if it is the year you finally get it perfect. You keep coming back because the mystery is unsolved every year. That leads into our second theme, a clean slate. The mystery is present every year because the teams for the most part change so much year to year. Yeah, you have your blue bloods and your teams in the midst of a hot streak, but there is a newness and a freshness every year that keeps the mystery from demystifying. We get tired of the same old, same old all the time in our lives, so March Madness gives us something that breaks the monotony of our lives. Yeah, this is getting psychological, but that is what themes are. They're an idea, not a physical game, ball, or basket. There is something that is spiritual almost about March Madness, similar to the feeling people get on holidays such as Christmas. It is magic. And that brings us to our final theme, heart and soul. There is a magical, emotional connection that March Madness gives us that no other sports tournament gives. 
college football gives that to me personally a lot, but not in the postseason. When the calendar shifts from February to March, NCAA basketball changes. It turns from a sport into an enchantment. There is an ethereal sensation whenever that first game of the first round comes on. For a lot of us, it goes back to childhood, to growing up. For the most enchanted individuals, our gleaming emotions revert us back into being a 12-year-old again. That is not a revelatory concept. It happens with many things. But whatever those events are that take us back to being a kid, it is, for many of us, the purest sensation, one without sorrow, pain, or responsibility. That connection, that feeling, can only be matched and surpassed by a few things in life. And March Madness gives us a chance to feel good. And I think that's what everyone wants to feel good. Thank you for listening to the first edition of Sports Have Themes 2, an articulate athletics podcast, I hope. I hope you enjoyed it, and more so, I hope you gained some sort of insight or perspective that you didn't have prior. Catch you on the next edition. Mm-hmm.